0: Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Citicholine, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory, and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic, featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit Cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Power your performance powered by Cognizant welcomes Angela Berthardt the the I won't say the queen of gaming because that's probably just totally politically inappropriate but (laughs) but but an experienced guru over a very long period of time where did that welcome first of all from Hawaii look at that that's a long way away from I first met you in New York. You you ran away from the, from the snow.
1: I did. I could never get used to the cold. I don't,
0: I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So where did the passion from for gaming come from?
1: Well, that's interesting that you ask and hi Gary. Great to see you. It's, it's been several many years. It's been a while. I think. Last time we saw each other, we were we met in California, I remember, with my friend, Mark Scarpa. That is we, true. We met and talked about doing some business then. And you and I have always sort of tracked in the same circle. And so we'll
0: continue great. because there's some things yeah. coming up. We'll talk about that. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk offline about some products that Skins coming up with that is great for Collegiate and what you're doing okay. in Esports You. With, with Ray Katz and the team, Ray, Ray and I yes. go, go back to a oh, golf tournament do. many years ago with a fellow by the name of Steve Gunderson that he will remember. Okay. Yeah. And that's gotta go well, back.
1: Ray's an avid golfer. Yes. we. I, mean,
0: we, I think we yeah. played in two annual tournaments that Mr. Gunderson sponsored, where he'd have 30 to 60 guys from all around the world in the media space playing golf for days upon days yeah the good old days
1: all of his leadership analogies revolve around golf
0: <laughs> i think my, my what revolves around my golf games that don't play enough recently yeah. is the arbor society coming after me you it's know very there's way too many trees and places that i don't believe they should be planted but yeah, nevertheless.
1: It's great. But- and we'll we'll get into esports to you later. But yeah, so the passion, I mean, I I think that's just a great way to define it. I think that is the root of most all entrepreneurs that I've ever met, is that like really intense level of passion. And I I I got kind of steered into gaming. I would say around 2014, I'd been working on a documentary with a friend of mine and and he and a, another partner decided to start a company called Gameco. And I don't know if you know of Gameco, but Gameco is the inventor of the video game gambling machine.
0: Okay.
1: So the idea was to create a slot style cabinet of which you could gamble on playing video games. And this would be the replacement for slot machines in the casinos since all of the customers were aging and all the casinos wanted to bring in a younger audience. So this was sort of the solution to that. And they're still operational today. And when he started that, he said, Well, we also need an agency because we need to like activate esports events inside the casinos. And so he asked me to come on and, and be part of the team there too. And we ended up starting the gamer agency, which by the way, I've always thought was the coolest name ever. (laughs) No Um, question. Yeah. To be in the, in the gaming space and get to be called the gamer agency. Especially when you did it. Exactly. And so we teamed up, And we started that and, and we did a couple of things in casinos. I think we were still a little early to to really be effective there. But ultimately we ended up getting Microsoft as our lead client. And that led to probably one of my favorite projects of all time, which was, you know, doing the helping with the tech design, build operations, Hiring talent, staffing, and everything for what ultimately became the Microsoft Mixer Studio. When we started, it was just the Microsoft Esports and Gaming Studio in the flagship store in Manhattan at Fifth and Fifty Third, and very beautiful old historical building there. So
0: it was a gorgeous facility on the what, second and third floor, right?
1: Yeah. Did you 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 went?
0: I we, yeah, I was I I was in there when we were recording certain content we are looking at using the space because I believe after you left it became dormant
1: that's this is true and and you and you had I (laughs) know what can I say (laughs) uh, you know
0: what you you know you you can't take the quarterback out and hope somebody's there to pass yeah and and you had if my memory serves me correct you had produced hordes of pilots for them (laughs) That That yeah. I mean, beyond hordes, that yeah. they just couldn't figure out what to do with them,
1: yeah. So that was the funnest part of it is actually having someone, you know, finance a content studio <laughs> and to be able to hire talent. We had full-time talent in the studio. And actually, you know we we moved Golden Boy uh, from California to New York, back to New York. His his wife was from New York, so he was very happy to move back. And we had Jess Brohard and Future Man and a couple of other talent that we brought on, but we had so much time on our hands, all we did was make pilots, make original content. And honestly, I, I hope that someday somebody, I, I would love to do it, pulls it out of the vault I've still never seen content quite as like as exciting and engaging as this. I mean, we did a variety show for games. Well, I remember.
0: I mean, I remember all the content, and, and, and it was fantastic content. And I guess my question to you, because you're close to the brain trust to the extent that there was a brain trust at Microsoft and gaming at the time, is how do you not attempt to distribute and monetize it especially if you're Microsoft, it's not like you're on a shoestring budget. And it just seems to me to be dumbfounding that they, they didn't do anything with that incredible mm-hmm. content.
1: Yeah, and you know, in general, you know, Microsoft has very deep pockets. They like to try a lot of things. You know, sometimes they try them for a while and decide, hey, that's not our priority anymore. But essentially it's kind of the inside story on that is that at the foundation of it, Xbox and Microsoft Retail are really two very separate entities right. and they almost they operate very siloed. And so there was always sort of a push and pull between Xbox who creates all of Microsoft's content And then Microsoft Retail creating all of this new sort of gaming content. Well, who owned it? Where did it live? Who really has the rights to that? And so, unfortunately, it just never got to come to the forefront because there was, you know, so much negotiations going on. But it's great content. I still have all of it. I still get, you know, thank yous from the talent. That we had working there because I think I was really one of the first people in the space to pay talent really, really well. So unfortunately, it's turned back on me now because when I need talent, I know the prices I have to pay. Them.
0: <laughs> isn't that the, isn't that the truth? All,
1: all of the talent was paid very well to be in that studio and work in, you know, ten, yeah, which hours is interesting
0: because now there's plenty of channels of distribution for that content. As as long as it's content not stale, which if it's mm-hmm. variety and it's gaming, the, the chances are it's got some evergreen halo to it. If you pardon the, the the pun, and there's plenty of places that would love that content to still put out there.
1: Well, there you go. And I'm a producer at heart, and you know we what we wanted to do with Golden Boy, he was going to be the Jimmy Fallon of gaming and esports and we did several pilots around that that are like just right on the money so who knows we're all still friends maybe it comes back full circle you know
0: do you, do you miss the production side
1: well i'm i'm still doing production i've got i i actually set up a small studio here in on Oahu
0: oh good so i didn't that, realize that
1: and, yeah, and oh that's great
0: so are you doing that as part of eSports U or is that, that's. Yes. So, so, yeah. so tell me about eSports U and its mission, because I think yeah. with eSports and what have you, I, to me in, in the world in which I live in collegiate eSports is probably, if not the heart of it, it it's, it's pretty central to the success of gaming.
1: I would say so as well. And um, yeah, so the 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 studio here is, you know, part of the initiative that we've built. Esports U is a subsidiary of Collegiate Sports Management Group. And that's where, you know, Ray, Ray and Mike from, right. the two co-founders there. Both of them come from a sports media and entertainment background. Um you know, Mike ran Westwood one. You know, Ray's worked at the NFL and OMD. And so these guys are deeply rooted in sports media broadcast. And the business model of, of the company now is they represent conferences on both the traditional sports side and the esports side. They represent their property rights and they monetize them through. Sponsorship, sales, media rights, naming rights. They offer all sorts of different services, valuations. We do white label production work. So when I came on board, what they really wanted me to do was, because of my experience in production, was take an event that they wanted to run, an annual event, and really elevate the broadcast around it just make it like best in class, put high-end graphics, hire the best technical directors, hire the best talent to do that. And we did that very successfully. That was in 2021. 20, yeah, time time's it going doesn't... by fast here, but yeah. And so when I came on, you know, I had never been really involved in collegiate sports or collegiate esports for that matter. And I just, I took a look at the space and one of the first exercises that I did was I, ha- I had the team put together a calendar of all the collegiate esports conferences and leagues that were out there, like their regular season play and their playoffs. And I had them put it all on a calendar. And when you crossed all these schedules over together, it was like, sheer chaos like there's there it was and and a lot of people have used the word fragmented for collegiate esports and I I, I wouldn't say it's fragmented I would say more it's like got a lot of different layers to it and a lot of different players in it so when I saw that you know I said well we need to unify this group in some way and so what, what I did was I just started calling up commissioners of these conferences, and I said, Hey, we're going to do this event. And we'd love to for, you know, your playoff winner, your season champion to play into our event. And so they love the idea. You know, Mike was ready and willing to put to invest in a live event. Live events are very expensive. They're not cheap. That's why you don't see a lot of them at the college level, because they are they are expensive. So what we did was we formed the Collegiate Esports Commissioners' Cup. And we held a big event in Atlanta this year at the Gateway Center Arena. Atlanta gave us an amazing welcome, amazing market to do an event. And Todd Harris was our production partner there at SkillShot. We had 64 teams, the best collegiate teams across the country, playing in from 14 different conferences. So this is the first time, you know, anything like that had ever, ever been done. And just amazing. The, 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 the student athletes, the players, the competitors, like we literally rolled out a red carpet. We bought a red carpet and rolled out a red carpet for them. And we gave them media day and we gave them press and we interviewed them and we gave them customized jerseys with all our brands on there. We had about 10 different uh, blue chip brands in there, McDonald's, Morgan Stanley, Air Force, uh, amazing you know support, Microsoft, CDW, amazing support from brands. So you know this is an IP that we just really wanted to develop and build something like this. you know similarly thinking to an ESL model you know, right. build, build intellectual property around events. And so we started that. We love it. Very successful. And that's just kind of one, one part of what we're doing. So, it was, And
0: that was streamed.
1: Oh, yeah. Stream, streamed on Twitch. We have our own Twitch channel. It's the esports you Twitch channel. and And that's sort of kind of another initiative that we have here is during the regular academic season we stream about 10 hours a day of the best college esports matches out there so we are we are heavily we're, we're in the top point five percent of streaming channels on twitch within like a year of course that's that great. puts us at like number 69,000 or something like well, that. Well, but that's
0: what I'm saying. I think collegiate esports is, is the heartbeat of where esports is. I I think in many yeah. ways it is more critical for that to be a success than the franchise model on the traditional esports side, so sort to of, if there's such a thing as traditional esports, but you know on, on on what everybody reads about esports, that I do think that what you're doing with with colleges is one is aspirational for the the high schoolers that want to go and play and it yes. lays the foundation for the future. So it's really the crossroads of where everybody needs to be with a built-in audience per se from affinity to college.
1: Absolutely and, and we really view it you know as the future of business and how businesses are changing and how technology and you know web 3o and the metaverse and and all of that will change future businesses what you're really looking at here is the future you know workforce and and entrepreneurs of how life is going to change right and, and, and a,
0: so a lot of you know the, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about health and wellness within the esports world so as you look at the collegiate environment how important is health and wellness is it being discussed is it a back burner is it an education issue where do you think health and wellness fits in in your space
1: i mean i i think it's very important i i think in general this generation is much more sort of balance minded than any other generation before that i mean work life School balance is very, very important, you know. And of course, you know, I think esports. A conversation has really come to the forefront, you know, around a lot of hate speech and and trash talk, you know, on on Twitch. As part of that, it's just not healthy, you know. And I, I think a lot of these student athletes are very aware that they need to eat well. They need to get the right amount of sleep. One of the things that we're doing with one of our brand partners is creating access through our discord for us to have conversations around health and wellness directly with the students that, you know, compete in the conferences and and in our tournaments that we hold. And so it's it's I think it's very vital. Yeah. Yeah. because The the image is
0: always Doritos, Red Bull. Highly caloric, kind of not nutritional, and and um, deprivation of sleep, focus issues, <laughs> and and then the pain of extended gaming sessions and head, neck, back, hands, and and thumbs, and and I hope you know that's what what we work on is to raise the level of knowledge and communication about it and make some good decisions because people are gaming so much so early it is having impact later in life as they kind of age out in the collegiate world and, and have families and, and have the, the residue of some bad gaming habits and personal nutrition habits.
1: Exactly. Do oh. you have kids?
0: Do I? Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah, you you know it very well then. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you and you you probably find the same thing. The older we get, the kids think we're smarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they were young, they certainly didn't want to listen to much of anything. And as my kids are having exactly. kids, they're certainly saying, "Oh, really? Now, now I kind of sort of get it." So, so.
1: I think for the most part, part my my kids grind. A lot of kids still grind. You know, playing video games. And I a little bit of that model has changed now. But for the most part, I, I think people are more health conscious about how they eat and how they sleep and taking care of themselves. And I think that the program directors inside the colleges, it's very important for them to drive that home as well. And Yeah, and offer. I think they're
0: starting to, and, and certainly yeah. the administrators that, that we speak with are are looking at that and especially the esports coaches. Since a lot of these sports coaches have professional sports experience that they're yeah. used to, nutritionists, and they're used to Pilates and stretching and what have you, and are mandating that in, in their their uh, collegiate programs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, exactly. where's the future of collegiate esports? And I know we have a short time frame, and I want I want to be respectful of that. So,
1: no worries, no I, worries. we're good. You
0: know, we're good. I, I don't want you missing any flights because of, of, of me. Well, weather's okay. I don't want to be the cause of it. But where is the future of collegiate esports? Both from what you're doing and and generally the state of the art, so to speak.
1: So I would say what what we're doing in college esports is pretty much the same thing that every other league operator or conference is doing. We're trying to garner those brand sponsorships. The one thing that is really missing to check the box here for brands is viewership.
0: Yeah, I was going you know, to ask you what what are what are the metrics? What are the data points? Yeah. That, that brands light. are looking for?
1: They're still light. You know, we're working on some programs now where we'll be able to guarantee viewership numbers. And we're going to start implementing that this fall. And we're also working on many, many levels of, you know, building college esports fandom, similar to how it is in, in college sports. We're about to do one of our first live regional events. We're holding that at Rutgers. We're doing it the same weekend that Rutgers is playing Michigan in football. So the whole campus will be lit up. We're cross promoting our events. We're doing NIL deals with basketball players from Rutgers that are gonna come and play the Rocket League team at Rutgers then on sunday we have some of the football players coming over after you know after the football game on saturday come over on sunday they're going to play super smash brothers ultimate we work very closely with like the communications department of every university that we go into and also we'll do things like advertise on the on the university's website banner advertising newsletter we really try to create, you know, a, a cross promotional environment here because we believe that the students that go to watch the football game are the same ones that wanna come and, and watch gaming. And so we're just making it more accessible and, and more engaging for students to wanna come.
0: So is that. it similar then in following the model that traditional stick and ball did to build fan affinity? And, and just kind
1: of Absolutely. apply it. And don't don't underestimate, you know, food and beverage and merchandise. Oh, um, without a doubt. It's still there, it, you know. Is,
0: is there an outreach to alumni? Because I guess, you know, if the average age right. of a gamer is 37.
1: Right, exactly. And, and you've
0: got alumni that are substantially younger that have graduated and probably still gaming in, in, in many respects when they're stationed in life still – gaming with a passion is there much impact or reach out to the alumni to participate
1: oh yeah alumni and and even high school middle school we we try to organize bus trips you know so high school students can come alumni is a very important part of what we do we've been talking with one of our partners ecac for a long time now about starting an alumni league. It's only natural that it happens. So yeah, it's 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 traditional sports, you know, all over again with esports. And we've got to check all of those boxes and, you know, and it's it's marketing and building excitement and the right food and the right merchandise. Get the merchandise looking, looking right, you know?
0: You know, if, if the ultimate Cultural. if the Cultural. ultimate goal for funding are the brands, which they obviously are, because that's true in stick and ball sports. What, what I always found interesting when I was in that space was the brands would spend a fair amount of money for the sponsorship and do very little activation to support mm-hmm. the sponsorship. Right. So yeah. th- they'll slap their name on a tournament, but they won't do an activation at the tournament or they won't do sampling or whatever it is. Do you find that to be the same as you're building the brand alliances that they're somewhat open to sponsorships and then they go, well, you just tapped out our budget and we don't have any money for activation.
1: Well, I, I think the brands love, you know, getting in front of college students and they love the live event. You know, they like they like the broadcast, but you're right, they don't always want to activate at the event. But what I found that they do want is all of these brands need content. So they want to some way use, utilize the content that's created, you know, around an event or around a tournament as as their own content and sort of refine it and finesse it. So it's in line with their brand messaging and their values and, and that's what we really see that brands want now. They want content. Everybody wants content. Yeah, everybody
0: wants content. But the interesting thing with the content, especially in esports, I I believe, as opposed to getting to stick and ball sports, is that the esports content has to be incredibly authentic and real for the yeah. esport audience. And so many of these brands I see go in there and they go, we just want to be in front of that audience and don't spend the time or ask the right questions to make that authentic.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Authentics probably has been the most overused word. I, in- I
0: agree with that. And
1: I- Day one, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody wants it to be authentic, but it's true. And, and, and that's not just a cliche, it really has to be that way. I mean, some of the best content that our, our brands have enjoyed is, you know, on the spot content made right at the event. It's very organic, it's very natural. And I, I you know, I think that's what they're finding resonates with them is a lot of that live content.
0: Yeah, there's there's no question. And now there's more places for them to put it because they all want to be on TikTok and and repurpose that and Twitch. And I don't know some, I think, are still doing Snapchat, depending on the week I hear they're putting yeah. it on Snapchat and then I hear that they're not.
1: So I'm looking for a brand right now that wants to do sort of a, a road trip, you know, and in, in one of these these big 18 wheelers that's sort of like a gaming center. And, you know, I'm looking for a brand that wants to do that going from our event starting in May, 2023, and then go the road to CECC and do like a tailgate run all the way up to the next big event. I mean, that's fun, engaging. What, what more content could you ask for? How much more organic could you get pull up and host a tournament, you know, on campus?
0: So, have you found in that conversation that brands are saying, I get the esports, I get the college, we're still at the I'm putting my toe in the water space as opposed to mm-hmm. doing yeah. a half gainer into the pool?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of them still are. You know, when you start getting brands like McDonald's and, and Microsoft and CDW and Barbasol, it does create a little bit of a ripple effect you know, other brands say, oh, they're doing it. Let's try it a little too. Yeah, what it's what that, it's found- that FOMO
0: and yeah. sponsorship, the fear of missing out that if McDonald's is there, I, Burger King better better get in the mix and be as part of the conversation, even though they don't know what the conversation they're getting into actually is.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I, I think also too, brands realize that, you know, those you know, future consumers or current consumers that are there, you know, they, they want to create affinity with them in a very real way. And I think all of these student athletes and fans that see brands putting money into, you know, a spectacular event, I mean, that means something to them because, you know, this is their game, you know, this is their passion their pastime and when they see brands you know footing the bill for you know some of these big events that they get to go to i can tell you that it has it has warmed my heart on many many occasions when i see these students show up and you know competitors that they've been playing online against all year they get to come and meet in person i mean There is such an electricity in the air and just sheer excitement. These, you know, it'd be like being on a basketball team and never actually being able to to go to an arena and play basketball. You know, these these young people, they wanna get on a stage. They wanna be on camera. They wanna have pro talent casting their plays. You know, they wanna have a, a cool host hosting their event. You know,
0: it's exciting. Oh, without so, a doubt. I mean,
1: it, yeah.
0: anyone that hasn't been to a live e-sports event, mm-hmm. um, it's almost impossible to believe that that's what goes on, right? If you if you were to close your eyes, you would think you had an NBA event, right? I mean, the screaming yeah. and yelling is the totally. same. The merch is the same. I actually think the one of the differences is the community. In the gaming space, the esports space is substantially stronger than mm-hmm. it is in, in the non gaming space. Because games are transient, the communities are not. They continue to thrive and, yeah. and grow, even though their game of choice might change. And I think that's a phenomenal opportunity for all of collegiate esports because it doesn't really matter the game per se as long as it's competitive and enjoyable. But the community and the college affinity has, has true emotional connection.
1: Yeah. Community is, is really still everything. Without our community, we don't have anything.
0: And, and uh, the conversations I've had with a lot of brands, they don't seem to grasp that concept of the community yeah. or, or how to necessarily communicate with that community and I I think some of that once they learn and they have and you have examples and case studies of how to do it right Mm -hmm. will open up floodgates for dollars and with that you can do good things and expand and 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 what have you
1: yeah and I still think we have years of hand holding you know with brands and and modeling for them and you know proving out what we believe, you know, college esports is, but we're invested to do that, you know.
0: And and how supportive, both by time and dollars, have you found that the Mcinstitutions institutions are equally towing the line for their fair share?
1: I think they're starting to. I want to say last year, close to thirty million dollars in scholarships hmm. were giving out last year. At the college level. I think you're going to see more dollars go into admissions and recruiting, you know, which is something that we're very bullish on working with admissions offices and, and recruiting. And I think you'll see, you know, more funds going in there. Colleges like esports for pretty much three reasons. One, recruiting, recruiting that type of talent two enhancing campus life it's still a great community to have on campus gaming and esports and then three you know the opportunity for postgraduate career placements you know esports is really just a conduit for a lot of other careers in in tech and entertainment and broadcast and talent and agency work and everything and a big part of what we do is we capture two streams every day one stream we capture and we use professional casters and professional host on our stream then the second stream we capture is all student led and student run and student casted so, so it's kind of use- like the
0: old student radio station on campus
1: Exactly,
0: which which is fantastic. I think one of the best things that happened to esports, at least initially, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's still this way, is that the administration of esports on campus did not go through the athletic departments and stayed with the a- academics and the STEM, which did two things. One, that was the appropriate appropriate place to put it, but it also kept the NCAA and and their you know their their big mm-hmm. fingers out of the pot.
1: Yeah. I think for the most part, it's still all over the place. Some will have it in academics. Some have it in student clubs. Some have it in in the athletic department. Every school is different. I think you're at now about around 30% of the programs are in the athletic department.
0: Is is that growing or shrinking, do you think? I would say it's growing. It's growing to stay in the athletics. And, And I guess the more money that derives from it, that's the push to stay in the athletic departments probably
1: i guess so well once they you know have their their esports media go through a evaluation process and and they realize that there's a potential value around it that's growing over time obviously right, right? and as well as sponsorship local sponsorships around esports are doing very well at colleges you can look at Maryville, for instance, and Dan Clerkey, who runs that program over there. A big part of his job is bringing in sponsorships, local sponsorships, and he's doing a very, very good job of that. And other folks like Doc out at Boise State University, you know, not only are they getting in sponsorships, they're doing white label production work for amateur and pro leagues right out of their esports arena and their studio at Boise State. So different universities are finding different ways to monetize the program as well.
0: I mean, you would think locally and I know we're going to have a conversation shortly on on the esports arena side with a few of your colleagues, but local is is certainly a wonderful place for esports because again you you get the entire community that not only can watch but they can participate whereas in stick and ball sports you know the local community is not putting on pads and helmets but they can compete in, Mm -hmm. in in a game
1: yeah i think local and regional sponsorships is is key it's one of the key ways to help keep these programs sustainable
0: and if i understand even the business model you the organization does not deal with d1 schools is it mostly the smaller no, we, schools we, do.
1: We, we deal with division i one do you schools, okay but, yeah but mike and ray they mostly you know started out filling a void in the d2 and d3 schools so they started out with the majority of you know conferences they they represent 23 conferences on the traditional sports side and we, we were only at at five right now on the esports side, but those five add up to about 500 universities that we represent now. So, and if you, you look know,
0: at if you take that and you look at the student body count on those 500, your reach absolutely. to people is pretty significant.
1: Absolutely. We've just got to unlock that. <laughs> that magic, for, <laughs> well, there's so many magic formulas, you know, we need to figure out. And, well, and if, everybody if, in this space is doing that, you yeah. know, but that. That's part of pioneering. That's well, part if, of it. if
0: anyone can do it, it, it's you. And I think with that, especially for brands, you you have access to an enormous amount of data.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And
0: and data ultimately is what everybody wants, whether the data is eyeballs yeah. or it's conversions or it's brand sentiment or whatever that, that, that they're looking for at any given time. The use of that data and the accessibility to that data with even 500 universities and colleges is pretty significant.
1: Exactly, I mean, we've, we've got our own built-in focus groups for brands as well. Which is well. great,
0: and, and, and you can sample, not even, you can do that digitally, you, you can mail it, you can hand them something. So even from the traditional sampling that, you know, I've been doing for years experientially, it, 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 it's a phenomenal thoroughfare. To introduce or solidify your brand to what you might believe is your target market.
1: Exactly. And therefore my tailgate party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sampling at our tailgate party.
0: You know, it's it's so funny. You think a tailgate and all, all the gaming's indoors. So they, we gotta come up with another phrase for you know the yeah. the, the tailgate. Right. I'm not quite sure what it is. And but it'll that, be
1: outside. It'll be outside.
0: It, it'll be outside that that oh yeah. So you got to stay with your original passion and now watch it grow from really infancy because, you know, as you said, it's it's many years down the road to really understand what's going on and to see it reach fruition. I I think one of the things that I I see in our space, within the gaming is there's so much media attention to gaming. Mm that it raises unrealistic expectations of yeah. what gaming is supposed to deliver overnight. And that's true with numbers, games, and ultimately monetization and, and, and the pressure to continue to reach the failed expectations of media really unfortunately are challenges for everybody in the space. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice if if some of that was just reporting on, here it is, it's great, it's growing, that's great. Instead of saying, you know, the, the, the controversy with FaZe Clan went went with the SPAC. You know, the mm-hmm. expectation yeah. was just so unrealistic that it didn't matter what they did. And they've held their own, fortunately, but irrespective, the conversation itself put unrealistic expectations instead of just saying, Hey, we're at the beginning, we're new, let us, you know, like a baby, you don't have to, the baby doesn't have to walk one month after birth. It takes some time to get your feet from underneath you. And you can't have unrealistic expectation. And I think some of the media and the traditional media is putting a lot of unrealistic pressure mm-hmm. on the esports yeah. vertical to say, well, you're not doing what you should be doing, but nobody said they should be doing that other than the media.
1: Absolutely. And for us, our philosophy is just steady as we go. We operate very, very lean. We focus on strategic spending where we need to spend based upon our like really passionate convictions of how we really want to grow in the space. And so, you know, we don't we don't overbuild, we don't overstaff. We don't do any of that. We want to just do what we're doing very well, develop our intellectual properties, continue to build meaningful relationships with the colleges and the conferences and the directors and the coaches and elevate the players, tell the stories around collegiate esports. We've got a show. It's going to launch soon. It's it's going to be a, a network show. I can't give all the information, but we're trying to sort of you know, think in terms of, you know, some of the original content that maybe came out on ESPN where, you know, traditional sports first came into the household 40 years ago. And, you know, so that's 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 where we're at, you know, and our investors believe in that. And and they're 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 in for the you know, esports is a long haul. It's there's, always there's been no a long always been a long game
0: but the good news is from you know where i'm sitting listening to you is that at least it's being treated as a business Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and and so much of esports has been treated as a game or an activity and not a business and Mm -hmm. therefore maybe they overspent and you can look at ven and the dollars that that they raised and went through in 14 months Mm -hmm. which is and, and you being in at you know, the setting, game agency
1: setting for the industry as you, well. you,
0: you can relate to having those dollars and then depleting it in in 12 months or 14 months without much to show for it it, it was not treated yeah. as a business and and the yeah. revenue side to it versus the cost and everything else which is it has to be for sustainability so it it's great to hear because i do have conversation through the podcast you know with different people and and that aspect of treating it as a business and that somewhere there's gotta be a profit and you gotta watch what you spend, irrespective of your investor base, you still for longevity have to look at it as a business. And, and it's great to hear mature adults looking at it that way because that, that seems to be a unique perspective.
1: Thank you so much. And if there's one thing you can bet on is that it will change. <laughs> oh. Because esports is also a pivot game. So, you which, know.
0: Which, it, which is absolutely true. I know we got some time issues and I know we have some other people calling in. So thank okay. you. Thank you for Great. this time. We'll, we'll circle back in, in a little bit. This forum's always open for you to talk about all the things that you're doing, whatever it is you. that you're doing. And all we'll right. talk about some other ways that we might be able to synergistically work together from my brand, Not About the Podcast, and, and continue our conversation.
1: Fabulous. Angela, Thank you. always my pleasure. Great Good to see, see you after all way. these years. And Alrighty. I'll see you Take shortly. Care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, babe.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.